Hey, everybody. Keith here. I'm walking in the lab. I'm with Jesse Burner. Who's Jesse Burner? Jesse Burner's playing the lawnmower dance. And you're saying to yourself, the lawnmower dance, Keith. Yeah, so the lawnmower dance. We're bringing the lawnmower dance today to introduce our first guest. Our only guest today, Ryan Clayton. Ryan turned a few bucks and a lawnmower into millions. And we're going to talk about that. And I think he did it a couple times, actually. So I think we're going to have a great conversation talking about Brian. We had a quick little pre-show chat. And I think there's some relatability there going on. So um, I'm excited to talk to Brian. Uh, today's our first live stream this week, Wednesday. Uh, we've got a couple great guests coming up on Thursday and Friday. Um, we have uh, Steve Hoffman and Justin Breen coming up later this week. Uh, so really excited to talk with those two, those two guys. Uh, but again, today our complete focus is on, uh, on Brian Clayton and the entrepreneur side of things. And today's Wednesday. And for many people, Wednesday is hump day. For me, it's uh, active recovery day. Uh, that's what I kind of like to do on my Wednesday. So, but before we go any further, why don't we uh, have some fun with this and introduce uh, our next guest, our first guest, Brian. What's the lawnmower, man? He can't hear this. That's I'm pushing the funny thing. on my lawnmower. Lawnmower. I'm pushing on my lawnmower. Lawnmower. Let's bring the screen over to, uh, to bring our guest, Brian Clayton. And Brian, welcome to the show. Welcome to Live in the Lab. It's good to be here, Keith. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, 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 awesome. Yeah, so you didn't hear the song, and I'll flip it to you later, but it's actually called Lawnmower Man uh, by Sparks. Yeah. And I, uh, when I saw your story, I, I love music, and I, I, I said to Roland, producer Roland, when we put this show together, we got to have music. we got to throw tunes on the show, and we got to just lighten the load. We're, we're in this attention world. We're trying to get everybody's attention, so let's make it fun, entertaining, and bring some stuff into it. So I got out of bed today having my coffee, and I'm reading your story and kind of catching up prepping for the show, and I'm like, lawnmower. Oh, man, I got a great idea for some tunes. So I went to my old soundtrack place and, and found uh, uh, some tunes on Lawnmower, man, to introduce yourself. So I'm excited to talk about the business. But I mentioned today's hump day, and I mentioned today is a hump day for a lot of people Wednesday, active recovery day for me. Let's jump into the business athlete side of things. What's Wednesday like for you? Is it an active recovery day, or what do you do? Yeah, Wednesday. Uh, so for me... I made a decision after I sold my first company that I was not going to work another day in my life. And I was just going to do whatever it is I wanted to do. And so I'm CEO of a company called Green Pal, and Green Pal is a 10-year overnight success. And I've had some 100-hour weeks in the last 10 years, but I haven't worked a day in 10 years because it's always been what I wanted to do. I've always enjoyed working on this project. So for me, Wednesday is just like Saturday. It's just like Sunday. You know, every day I kind of go through the same routines. Um, in my first business, Wednesday definitely had a feel. Saturday had a feel. Friday afternoon had a feel. Sunday had, had a feel. But when I sold it, I was kind of out of that rat race and out of that grind. And now every day is kind of like a holiday. Every day feels the same. Every day is like Sunday. That's interesting. So th there is no, I had this conversation with Sardor earlier last week or two weeks ago, this feeling of being an entrepreneur, how every day just kind of becomes the same day. Now yeah. you're saying the opposite side of that now is that now everything, every, every day still is the same day, but it just means different things to you. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, 
if if you're trying to grow a business from scratch and invent something new, it re- it really is going to be a seven day a week thing. It's Sundays are going to be just like Fridays, and you're always going to be working on it, but it's not going to feel like work because it's just really what you want to do. I was listening to an audio book about uh, Jeff Bezos and and the founding of Amazon, and and they would talk about how they would always get these weird, wacky emails from Jeff on Saturday and Sunday mornings because that's not that's like a little period when he wasn't um, really super busy. And he would be walking the store, so to speak, and he would yes. be signing up for Amazon and, and 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 using that using the site, and then like he would be sending off these emails about things yes. that annoyed him. So signing even, up for Amazon even, and and go ahead. Even Bezos, yeah, even even Bezos is 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 working on Amazon seven days a week. Somebody said to me, a family member said to me on the weekend. They said, uh, "Oh, you're making you're, you're reaching out to some folks here, like 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 a, like late tonight or early tomorrow morning." I said, hey, the best time in my experience to reach the CEO or the founder or or somebody who has a vested interest in the business, probably in the middle of the night or early in the morning or late at night yeah. when everybody else is actually not around because they're on, they're probably near their device, right? So, um, totally. yeah, I, uh, I I used my, I was telling the story a couple of weeks ago, I used my BlackBerry in the early days when, when this idea of mobile email was a thing. Um, I used that speed to my advantage. Right. So I would re- reach out to guys Absolutely. like you in the middle of the night, middle of the day and, and use that to my advantage. Right. So. Um, so let's, let's let's stay down. the Let's stay down the path of of, you know, active recovery day on Wednesday or active recovery day for any day for Brian, um, a business athlete, somebody who kind of likes to take the active lifestyle. Clearly, you're an active guy building a business because you're pushing a lawnmower. Um, do you do what do you do outside of of? Of running the business or taking care of the business or pushing a lawnmower to take care of, of the Brian Clayton before the business and everything else. Yeah. I've, I've ignored that for many years and had to pay the bill with interest. The, wow. uh, the starting green pal, the first five or six years were really rough. They, they were hundred hour weeks and it was, it was like pushing on a string to get them, get the company going. But it was year five or six that I realized that I had gained 50 pounds um, I was eating horribly, you know, ramen noodles, ramen noodles and packaged foods. And I just felt, felt like crap every day, had no natural energy that didn't come from like a cup of coffee or a can of Red Bull. And, and, uh, I realized that I had neglected my, my personal health. I had, I had neglected my, I had neglected exercise. I had neglected my temple, I guess you could say. And, yeah. and so I, I, uh, out, of, out of desperation, I thought, well, something's got to change, and and my co-founder said, well, there's a, there, you know, the 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 Nashville Marathon is is in April, and we were having this conversation in like December. And I said, man, I couldn't run a marathon to save my life. He said, well, let's just try, and so we both signed up for it, and that was kind of a, a forcing function, uh, for, for us to 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 then put in the work on the training, and and I was able to lose fifty pounds in six or seven months, and and get back in shape, uh, by by signing up for that marathon, training for it, and running it. And so now I, I've just, I've decided to never let myself get that out of shape again because it does affect your business performance. It does affect how you do working on the the main thing. Um, if you don't feel good, if you're not in good shape, and it it, it it makes everything else suffer. And and if you neglect it, the bill will come due with interest at some point. It absolutely does. What was the awareness? You know, did, was it your own mirror or your partner's mirror, or was it a joint conversation which was we need to do something about this? It was, it was me. 
walking up the steps into the office and 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 uh, and, and huffing and puffing and and it and it's feeling feeling like like crap like not yeah. having yeah. the natural energy anymore and it and it and it happened progressively right it happened over three or four years that did I let myself get to that shape but uh, I didn't have this like reservoir of of energy to, to work on the project. Uh, at that time I was writing code. Yeah. And, and so I didn't like, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't feel like I wanted to do it anymore. And, and, and I sort of realized that, well, you're eating a bag of Doritos and, and, and with a can of, of, of Dr. Pepper, this is the fuel you're putting in your body. And you probably couldn't run around the block if, if you had to. And, and so it was a hard, it was like, it was, it was very, it was like a, it was like a hard, uh, moment of clarity, I guess you could say. I bet. And, uh, and, and, and the only way I could dig myself out of it was, was signing up for something that where there was no choice is like, I had to get ready. I had to be ready to, to run at least half of the damn thing. And, uh, <laughs> and that kind of, uh, forcing function or, or you call it, I call them tripwires, things that you put in your, in your path that you have to deal with, you have to train for, you have to reconcile can help you uh, stay on track, can help you yes. get to where you're not in a, in a position like that. Did uh, I'm paying attention over here for everybody and you, Brian, pay attention to me. I'm just dealing with Roland with some little bit of video quality issues. So, because uh, I'm really intrigued by this conversation that we're having. Um, we both know there's many people that are listening to this, this show right now or watching it on the pixelated live stream right now that we're working so vigorously on getting corrected. Um, Brian, there's a lot of people listening and they're saying, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Or I would never be able to you know, run a marathon or climb a mountain or do something that I think that I just could not do. You, you found a way to run your marathon you, and, and, and you, you trained, you trained and um, you and your partner did, did it together. Tell me about the process of I'm doing the marathon. I'm now running the marathon. And then tell me what it felt like when you're in the middle of that marathon going, all right. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, there's a lot of parallels that I didn't anticipate yes. between doing a race, doing a race like that and, and running a business. And they began to unfold as I was going through this experience. One is you, you, you know, you, you see these goofy people uh, uh, jogging in place at an intersection in, in, a, in a, you know, metropolitan area. And you're like, man, they, they look so silly jogging in place. But what you don't understand is, is, is as you do that same type of training, you come to realize that it's actually more painful to stop and then restart than it is just to jog in place and to keep going. And, and business is a lot like that. The momentum and keeping that momentum alive is is huge. Those little small incremental wins and progress is what kind of carries you through a lot of the hard parts. And so that was one thing that I realized. And, and another thing was just the power of setting really small goals and and moving it forward one little piece at a time, uh, you know, in business and in, in training for a, for a marathon like that. You know, I couldn't run a mile when I started, and when I got done, I, I could I could do 26, and uh, and just saying, okay, look, we're just going to get a half mile done and not worry about anything else, and then okay, well, we're going to get a, we're going to get to where we can run a mile comfortably and not worry about anything else. Business is the same way. When I was building Green Pal, you know, we just wanted to get a hundred people to use the damn thing, and and uh, we focused all of our intensity on getting a hundred people to use this app to get lawn mowing services done on a weekly basis. It took a year, 
but we we got that done. And then we moved on to a thousand, then ten thousand. Now now today around three hundred thousand people are using the app. So it's 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 this uh, kind of universal like principle of the universe. It's like these little small wins. They don't add up. They compound. They they compound over time. And and uh, in those early days, I kind of needed that lesson. I yeah. needed that. Yeah. Uh, I needed to experience that. It's it's interesting to hear your parallel because again I talk about Wednesday being Hump Day, Active Recovery Day. Uh, Wednesdays are yoga day for me, so mm-hmm. I uh, I'm an endur- I, I like to, I, I, I strength train daily. I do endurance uh, for the most part daily as well, so I'm, I'm well rounded. But Wednesdays are yoga day for me, Brian. Today I had a 30 minute yoga schedule. Do you think I have a busy day on my calendar today? Do you think I was like I don't want to do 30 minutes? But you know yeah. what I did? I did two 15 minutes. And I, awesome. I, and it was incredible because it's funny, right? I'm like, all right, I can do 15 minutes. So I did my 15 minutes. I'm like, all right, what's actually 15 more minutes by the time I go upstairs, change, put, do my shower, all those other, all those other things I'm going to do. That's 15 minutes right there of wasted time. If I can just do it right here, I've got 30 minutes of my yoga. And before you know it, I was, uh, it was all back, back at it. Right. So it's interesting to hear you say you break things into chunkable into little chunks and you achieve the bigger goal. So to, again, somebody listening, the big ambition was what did you say 300,000 subscribers or or or, or is that what it yeah. was yeah and you started right. with what your first 100 right that's right 100 was all we cared about and we didn't worry about anything else took it took over a year to get there but uh, i think if you can work through those little that. levels of the game that way it can it can kind of like you said chunk it down into size make it manageable how big was that 100 when you and your business partner you, you and your business partner correct am i correct that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So how big was that 100 when you first sat down with him to say, okay, we need to get a hundred people to sign up for this thing. Yeah. That was one thing that, you know, we did a lot of things wrong, but we did do that. Right. We celebrated these small goals. Like they were big ones. When we got to a hundred, we celebrated it like it was a million. I mean, we went out partying that night and, <laughs> and really felt good about ourselves because we had worked so hard towards this goal. And it wasn't that we had a hundred customers, I mean, I had just I had just sold a landscaping company that that was that that was servicing thousands of customers, and so I was yes. kind of like starting all over again. But I knew that if if we could get a hundred people to use it, I knew for damn sure we could get to a thousand. And then and and so I just didn't worry about anything else uh, other than working through those levels of the game. And I knew that they the numbers would eventually compound, and so that was kind of like a proof point for us. Interesting, it was evidence that we were on the right track. Yeah. So right now we're talking Green Pal, but your 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 life started cutting grass at Peachtree, am I correct? That's right. Yeah, I started started mowing lawns in in high school as a way to make cash, and and stuck with that for fifteen years. <laughs> it didn't seem like that long, but uh, yeah, fifteen years, and and grew that into a, a real company around one hundred and fifty employees. Uh, eventually getting it over eight figures a year in revenue, and then it was acquired by a big national company with thousands of employees in this industry. So yeah, I've, I've spent 22 years in this industry running a, a landscaping business and now running green power platform that powers the industry. Brian, I scaled a human powered business where people were from the outside going, well, how are you going to scale that? You just got to add people. Well, there's a way to do it. And, and I, and my partner and I found a way to do it. And as, as the internet was coming to life many years ago in the social media space, a lot of people look at landscaping businesses or painting companies or other physical human uh, businesses, they're difficult to scale. Um, cause you're always looking for human beings. Um, 
how did you scale your first business when you're you're going from cutting the lawn yourself to okay you know we need to grow this thing i need to have people around me how did you move from one to the other so early yeah it did take a while uh so so it was me and a push mower and then then me hiring my first employee and and it took me a year to figure out how to get that right and how to get the basic unit economics of the business right meaning yeah. we 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 charge by the labor hour essentially so we we bring an employee in and it costs us x number of dollars to put that employee in the field and what can we charge for that and that took a while to figure out and figure out how not how not to lose money doing that and then uh, I would just layer on one employee at a time and then one crew at a time. So in the landscaping business, you put two or three yeah. uh, people together and you run a crew. And so I was just, I was just bolting on one crew a year almost until eventually I uh, grew it to 90 crews going out every day, trucks going out every day. So incrementally um, I built out the operation side of it. And, and uh, I guess it was year three or four that I had a couple of epiphanies one was trying to delineate the difference between working in the business and working on the uh, business and yes. trying to make time for working on the business and trying to enter and whether it be Saturday afternoon or Sunday, you figuring out what my employee training system is, you know, it, 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 that would be one problem in the business, one bottleneck. Like to your point, you said you're in the, you're in kind of like the, the people business. How do you bring somebody in who doesn't know how to execute that the, the services that the, that the business sells and train them and get them up to speed. And so I spent two years building lawn care university, a way that we could bring somebody in who had never picked up a weed eater before to in two weeks, be really good at it and, and, and be really good at, at being a technician in this business. Whereas that would normally take six months. And so that was one thing that I was able to do to help scale. The, the other thing, the other epiphany that I had was I realized that everything I was doing around delivering landscaping maintenance services was kind of table stakes. A lot of times, uh, founders and in, in home service businesses and service businesses in general will over index on, the quality of the service they, they, they provide and, and think that that's the value proposition. And it really isn't. That's just kind of table stakes. Customers expect that. I realized then that I was in that actually the sales business that, that the majority of my time needed to be tuning the sales process, figuring out how to connect the value of what it is we did with the customers that needed our services and just creating a better sales process than our competitors were that that was the engine of growth for the business. And then as we got more resources in, we could put more resources to work into better systems, processes for, for delivering a, a better quality service. And it was kind of like this flywheel. And uh, it took me five, six years to, to figure that out. But that, that's how I was able to get it from 1 million to three to five to 10, ultimately to 10 million a year in revenue. So I, yeah, that's it. That, that's fascinating to me because when you take, when you take something uh, as, as simple as a, a lawnmower business. And, and it's a, let's face it, it's a competitive space, very competitive space. Absolutely. Um, you stood out because you invested in everything around it, the, the, the university and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And it wasn't just, you weren't just, uh, uh, you weren't just selling cutting lawns, were you? You were selling much more than that. Yeah. Eventually as, as we began to tune that sales process, we would, we would get out of the business of selling landscaping maintenance when and we got into the business of figuring out where our customers were trying to go 
and and how do we help them get there? And so an example of that would be we sold into a lot of apartment complexes, and uh, these were fifty, hundred thousand dollar a year contracts, big contracts, multi year contracts. They were hard to get, and they were and it was very it was very competitive uh, to to acquire that type of customer because it because it can be very lucrative. Yes, and so normally you know our competitors and 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 my company at the time would say this is the value proposition. Hey, we do great work. We're quality, integrity, reliable. Our employees have matching uniforms, service, honesty, integrity. Maybe I said that one already. Like, Nobody cares about any of that. Like they expect that. They, like, it's that's oh, just, that's oh, what oh, you oh. should be doing. Congratulations for doing yes. your job, right? Like, good for you for doing yeah. your job, right? Thanks for showing up and actually cleaning my. That's what frustrates me with today's world is that. Um, yeah, I got to congratulate you for doing your job, and now you want a tip for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started. But uh, but that would be like going to to McDonald's or or or, uh, you know, any, any fast food restaurant and, and like them saying, Hey, the food's hot. And it was made like within the last 24 hours, maybe not, uh, uh, you know, and, and, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't have mold on it. Like that's, that's essentially the same thing. Like these things are, (laughs) these things are table stakes and, and McDonald's is actually in the marketing business. They're not in the hamburger business. They're in the, they're in the real estate business. They're not in the hamburger business. And so, and so you kind of have to think like that in your business and, and while ourselves and all of our competitors were trying to sell on, on quality of service and price, we, we changed the conversation to be, uh, well, in the case of apartment complexes, is, is what is your occupancy rate? And they would ask us, why do you care what our occupancy rate is? And we would say, well, we're members of the, the Tennessee Apartment Association, and they tell us that the occupancy rate for this county on average is 93%. And, and what is your rate? And they would say, well, begrudgingly, uh, 87%. And, and why? And we would say, well, we believe that we have a plan that we can offer you where, where we can help you move that up a couple points. And so check this out. We're going to do like a, uh, an enhancement around the model home. We're going to do an enhancement at the entrance uh, of, of, of like a floral display or something like that to catch yeah. the eye of, of dr- people driving by. We're going to make the grass greener uh, so it looks like a, not a C property but like a B-plus property, and, and we have a way to do that. And, and we feel like if we do that for two years, we can move you from an 87 to a 90. And and that would change the game. Did Was it a silver bullet? Will we close every contract? No, but we started closing like two or three times the contracts that, that we were, we were pitching. And so we did that for every sector. We did that for banks, restaurants, financial services, you name it. Uh, we would figure out where our clientele was trying to get to in business and how, how do we help them get there? I find it interesting that you focus so much on sales. Um, because a lot of people I see, it, it, it appears to me, many people lose focus of that. They get caught up in everything else but sales and everything else becomes more important, be it the operations, be it the systems, be it the HR, be it everything else. And I've heard anybody who knows me knows I'll say what I'm going to say next is that without sales, you don't have anything else around you. So while you recognize everything was table stakes and when I see all the landscape companies out there, lawn mowing companies out there, um, they're actually doing the wrong thing, aren't they, Brian? They're not doing the right thing. They're not selling enough. 
They're not yeah, asking, they, they're they not don't, asking the right they questions. They don't know to. They don't know to. Yeah. They, nobody teaches us how to run a small business ever. I mean, we're not taught it yeah. in school. We're not taught it in college. So hopefully you stumble across books, podcasts, YouTube university, and you, you stumble onto these concepts and, and apply them to your business and invest in them. They're expensive. It's expensive to build out this type of process. Uh, it's expensive to hire personnel to, to help you run it. It's expensive to bring in, you know, consultants and to help you tune it. But you see this everywhere that the best product doesn't win. It's the best marketed product. You know, McDonald's is yes. a horrible burger, uh, but they're the, the worldwide leader. And why is that? And, and you get, the list goes on and on and on. It's not always the case, but usually it's, it's not the best product that, that wins the market. It's the best marketed product. And, and so the, 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 the money is invested in the, the sales engine and and that's what propels the business forward not necessarily you just quality and service integrity honesty reliability these things don't propel the business forward it's a sales engine at the core of it distribution is is more important than anything else and, and there's a saying this and I, i've experienced this when i was building green pal that first time founders worry about product second time founders worry about distribution and so the first time founder is worried about product and they're and they're over indexing on the things that I just said, quality, integrity, reliabilities, you know, all of these things that are that are kind of nebulous. And and uh and the second time founder knows that all, all that stuff is important, but that's table stakes. That's the entry price to the game. What really matters is is distribution. How are we gonna get this product into the hands of our customers? How are we gonna connect with our customers, find them, meet them where they are and 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 offer our solution to them. How are we going to distribute this thing in a way that is cost effective? And and the second time founder knows that that's 10 times harder than, than the first part. Brian, when, when second time founders and second time entrepreneurs explain what you just did, which is the importance of distribution, we've both probably watched enough shark tank episodes or so forth when the sharks will say, well, what's your distribution going to be good for you? Right? So you're bringing a, a product to market. How are you going to get it to market? Why is it yet? So many founders still don't focus on distribution. They focus on everything else, but distribution. Is it because it goes back to sales, Brian, which is difficult. You got to go talk to people because let's get to that in a moment here about, because I think I can relate to you a little bit about the introverted side of that sales side of things. So is that, is that what holds a lot of people back? You think, which is, Oh no, I got to go talk to a bunch of people to sell them something. It's definitely the harder part of the equation. It's, and it's the, and it's the not fun part. So there's a book uh, called the lean startup by Eric Reese and, and in that book, he's three or 400 pages. And it basically teaches you one thing, get out of the building. And what he means by that is get out from behind the laptop and go talk to your 10 or 20 or 30 customers and figure out, figure out what it is you're doing that's pleasing them, figure out what, what, what they, what they wish your product or service would do differently. And then use that free R and D to figure out how to, how to get 10 times more of those customers. And that stuff's not fun. Like going to Starbucks and, or going to somebody's house and meeting with them at their kitchen table. is just, it's just not, we're not inclined to do that. And, and it's the not fun part. So we want to do everything else, but that we want to work on, you know, our Instagram page, or we want to work on like the, 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 the brand strategy or what the website looks like, or, you know, 
all of these things that, that might matter at some point, but they don't matter right now at level one or level two of the game. And so it's, it's the hardest part. It's the not fun part. That's why I've neglected it at, at times and have, have been resident to, to get out of the building or pick up the phone and talk to my customers. But it's, it's the part that's like the highest leverage, like you said with yoga earlier. Like it was just 15 minutes, but that's high leverage time. Talking to customers is high leverage time. And, and this, I think, I think a good parallel can be like the music industry. Like I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm not a musician, but, but every day we get a hundred people showing up here that want to be the next big thing in country music. And you think that the hard part is learning how to write a song, learning how to sing, learning how to play the guitar, coming up with the money for some studio time, cutting an album. And you think that's all of the hard part. And then you realize as a musician, I imagine that the hard part is, is actually getting a hundred people or 10 people to show up at, at a dive bar to watch you play yes, or to stream, to stream your music. And, and that's actually the hard part. And, and you see this over and over again in the music business. And I saw an interview with T.I., the rapper, yes. the other day, who's now a, who's now a big-time uh, uh, record exec. He's got a, he, I think he's got his own label and whatnot. And he, he says all the time he'll be walking down the street and people will come up to him and say, let me, let me do a freestyle for you. Let me do a freestyle for you. Let me do a freestyle for you. Think, and, they, and, and he's like, they think that they are going to like bust this freestyle. It's going to be so good that I'm just going to sign them on the spot. And he goes, what they don't realize is, is like you could do the best freestyle I have ever heard. And it's not going to matter because I almost don't care about that. I want to know how many, how many TikTok followers do you have? What, how many Instagram followers do you have commenting on your stuff? How many streams do you have on, 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 on any of the streaming services? I want to look at that. And I want to look and see how you can get, that early adoption, that early uh, interest from your from your fans, and 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 how and how you can show evidence of that, and then I come find you is what he says, and so and so like, as founders, we can learn from that. We we can learn that the music is almost table stakes. The product is table stakes. The quality service is table stakes. The hard part is getting people to show up to the show streaming the music, getting people to try the product and continue to use the product is the hard part. And that's where we need to spend all of our time. The, I love the analogy with the music industry. I, I never really considered it that way though, until, until you put it that way. But then when I reflect upon what you said, I think about artists like Jay-Z pe- peddling his CDs or, or just out there talking to as many people as possible. Uh, and then you look at modern day artists like Drake or Taylor Swift, who they're extremely talented human beings. There's no doubt about that. But th- their their ethic to build their reach, uh, to build their distribution, that is really as I think is what unmatched. You know, when, when you look at super artists and people who are extremely successful, is is what happens before they get on stage or before they even write a song, isn't it? Isn't that the truth? Exactly, and it's just one more example of. Is Drake the best rapper who ever lived? No, but I mean, I don't think anybody would say that, but he's definitely by any yardstick, one of the, one of the most successful. And so it was just another example of the greatest product, not winning. It's the, it's the best distribution and best, the best sales engine at its core that does win. 
And so, yeah, you can see evidence of that in the, in the music business galore until the beginning of time. I would argue we will never see another Taylor Swift or Drake in our lifetime because those two artists emerged during the emergence of social media and they learned how to build an audience, build distribution and, and, and create music that you think about it, you know, has only gotten, so those three and a half minute, four minute songs. It's funny. I was listening to a Metallica track with my daughter on the, on a couple of days ago and it was, uh, it was the unforgiven. It was like seven or eight minutes. And she looked at me and she's yeah. like, this song, It'll keeps, never happen. this song keeps <laughs> playing. And I looked at her and go, yeah, it's still playing. Yeah, all right. Can, can I play stairway to heaven for you next? That's 13 minutes. <laughs> she looked at me like what? Because today's songs, Brian are two and a half minutes. But my point is, you know, here's something else that kind of aston- that somewhat astonished me. I looked at uh, somebody said, "Yeah, well, Dr- Drake is going to beat Taylor in the long run of, of of artists because he has 280 some odd singles that have done so much compared to." I, I don't want to get my stats wrong, but it's like this arms race. And, and if you look at the social media world, it's the same thing. You got to create a bunch of content for something to stick. Bunch of content for something to yeah, stick. Yeah, totally. Look at all the music Drake has created. Just sit back and look at it one day. The amount yeah. of music that, that, and then Taylor, not only do I record all my music once and then get it sold, well, I'm going to go do it again. Yeah, totally. It, uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I, I love, again, I, I don't have a, a, any uh, musical talent in my DNA, but I do love looking at the parallels between the music industry and, and, and business. And, uh, you know, everybody was all worried about AI music there for a while, that it was just going to like take over everything. And, and the, the reality is, is there's never in the last 10 or 15 years, there's never been a shortage of music to go listen to. You could, you could never get to the end of Spotify or YouTube music and, and AI music is kind of the same. It's kind of the same thing. It's, it's, it's the well-marketed, the, 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 the well-distributed music that that's going to win and always continue to dominate. And I don't think AI music will have any effect on that. And the same is in business. Um, it's like, yeah, you know, is AI going to destroy my business or yours? Probably, probably not. It's 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 more or less the why behind the business and the and the, and the marketing and distribution machine behind it um, that's going to make it succeed or not. So and, how, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm always fascinated with that. How has AI impacted your business? You're 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 in the you're in the analog world. Your business is an analog business. Let's call it. It's analog. It's physical by nature. Uh, how has generative AI impacted uh, Brian's business? It's helped us a lot, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the first thing is, is we're self-funded. We haven't taken on any outside capital, and so a lot of times in these technology-based businesses, especially in marketplaces like ours, they they raise a bunch of money, and then and it's kind of like get rich or die trying. They they just they 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 put all the money to work, and either it works out or it doesn't. And so in the last ten years, there's been a lot of Uber for X ideas that have crashed and burned Uber for home cleaning, Uber for laundry service, Uber for valet parking. Then they all raised tens of millions of dollars. And now they're not here anymore. We decided we didn't want to go that route. So we, we self-funded the business. So we're kind of always have been scrappy and, and now our team is around 40 people and, 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 and we're profitable, but it's taken us a decade to get here. Well, now you can do so much more with less headcount less resources yes. that it kind of puts us on this level playing field with some other company that might've raised a bunch of money that they have, they have 200 people. Well, now we can do the same thing that 200 people can do with, with 20 people and whether it be creating content, creating uh, helpful, like 
how-to blog posts, um, helping customers connect with service providers easier and identifying causes and things that go wrong before, before they turn into big problems. We, we use AI for that. And, uh, and, and, you know, 10 years ago, you had to have a, a half a million dollar a year genius on your staff to pull these things off. And now you just need a $20 a month subscription. So in many ways it's leveled the playing field for our company to compete with, com- with, 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 with other uh, startups that have raised, you know, 50, hundred million dollars. We can now compete on a level playing field. So it's been tremendously beneficial for us. Brian, you're a marketer. You're a marketer more than more so than a lawnmower person, aren't you? That's what you are. You, when you look in the mirror, as I'm hearing you speak, you, you know, you, you identified something that everybody needs, the their grass cut, and then you devised everything around that simple task, which I love because entrepreneurs get so, I'm one of them sometimes, we get so caught up in everything else, but you said, okay, one thing we're going to do really well and then just market and build all these processes, university, and, and become experts in this domain. Would that be fair for me to say? Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it, and it's that, and it's also, I think the least sexy your idea, the least glamorous your industry, the greater your chances of success. And that, yes. that's kind of how it's been for me. Uh, the landscaping business is one of the most blue collar, non-glamorous <laughs> industries you can, you can be a part of. And that has helped me uh, ex- excel in it because we don't have a whole lot of uh, well-funded, uh, sophisticated operators chasing after the same opportunities. It, it's almost like uh, playing the game on easy mode almost. It hasn't been easy, but in, in relative to other industries, it's, it's been more manageable. And, and so for us, for me, that, you know, 22 years, I focus on one thing, this one industry, knowing it from the inside out, and it's become a student on how to make it run smoother and easier is, is one of the, I guess, competitive advantages I've had is I have just stuck with one thing. And I'll be honest with you. I hate the smell of fresh cut grass. I hated it after my first year in the lawn mowing business. I don't love this, the, the new one. Like I don't love working in the yard. I don't love digging holes and planting trees. Uh, but I do love being a part of uh, a project, a company, a mission, something bigger than me. It's just, it just happens to be that lawns and, and yards and grass is just the, the vehicle to get there. You, you might not love the smell of, uh, uh, you, you might not love the smell of freshly cut grass, but I bet you in the early days, and here's where I'm going to go with this next. In the early days, you love the smell of freshly printed cash, right? And you, <laughs> there you go. Right. And you went and you absolutely built a business. You sold it for lots of money. Um, it changed your life. Uh, you accumulated stuff. You bought a lot of stuff. You bought a Ferrari, I believe. And then, yeah. yeah. And and then one day you woke yeah. up, and or, or or over a series of days you woke up. You looked in the mirror and you recognize, it's mm, not really me anymore, or that's not me. I I'm beyond that. I want to be minimalistic because because money was buying a lot of things. I got caught up in the cycle of consumerism, but that's I have different goals and ambitions now. Am I correct in everything I just said? Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty spot on uh, for uh, how I experienced it. So I can say the exact same thing. I, I, so when I read your pre story, I'm, I'm I read it and I, I related one hundred percent. Let's talk about it. Yeah, it, it's a weird weird thing, and everybody tells you that you're going to go through it, and you don't. You're like, yeah, right, until you go through it. Uh, but for me, you know, I. 
I started mowing yards and, and I was, and I was always in like the affluent part of town. I was always cutting grass in the, the, the wealthy parts of town. And I always was working these 12, 13 hour days. And I always said to myself, well, if I can just live in this neighborhood yeah. by the time I'm 30, it'll all be worth it. And, and I'll be damned if I wasn't able to do it by like 29. And, and so here I am 29 years old and I, and I built this, this, this big mansion and it was just for me. And, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I'm living in the same neighborhood as like the, the doctors and lawyers and businessmen in town. And they hated my guts because I was throwing parties all the time and stuff. And so it was just weird, weird thing. And, uh, and then I thought, well, and then, you know, I was like every kid, I had a poster of a, of a Ferrari on my wall. And when I was a kid and I wanted one, so I bought one. And that was fun for about a month. And then, and then you realize that like owning something like that is more, more trouble than it's worth. And, and I'm kind of introverted, uh, naturally. I, I, don't, I don't like to talk to strangers or, or, or people in general. And, and so like it, when you drive that car, like you, you attract all this kind of attention. So it doesn't matter where you go, restaurant, gas station, whatever, you have to talk to three people. And, and I try to be polite. And so that was just exhausting for me. And so then I got to a point where I just never drove the damn thing. And, uh, and then you start to really understand, like, like all of this material stuff is, is cool and it's fun, but it's not really, it's not validating. It's not fulfilling. And it's it, at the end of the day, it's more of a pain in the ass than it is than anything. Cause you got to keep up with it. You got to maintain it. It's all this cognitive overhead, uh, to, to keep all that stuff going. And, and I was at, you know, a small scale, you know, I, I had a, I had one house and four or five cars. I can't imagine what, what people with multiple properties, even, even why they wouldn't want to do that. But anyway, um, came to all this realization. And at the same time, this was all, this was all going on as I sold the company. And, and so I sold the business. I literally sold everything and it's moved into an 800 square foot apartment. Yeah. And so now to this day, I, I own very little. Um, and, and, uh, and I'm happier than I've ever been. And so like you understand, you go through it, you experience it, that the things you own, own you. And, and you have to learn that lesson yourself, but, but everybody learns it. I think that that goes through that. And then, and then you come out the other side and, and you, you appreciate things, I think on a higher level. Well said, I, I, but wasn't money the the thing that motivated you when you first started cutting grasses? Cause it was, wasn't it? It was that it was, I I know it was for me too. Um, and I think it is for every, it, it is for every entrepreneur, any entrepreneur who says to me, well, I'm not really in it for the money. I'm like, bullshit. Cause that's, that's what we're all. Yeah. You know, perhaps you can pretend there's a bigger point of view, but no, you want to make cash, right? I think and then to, until you do so like you did, um, and, and I was fortunately able to do, you then recognize that just spending it, it does become a pain in the ass. And you do have, there is, there is such a thing as keeping up with the Joneses, isn't there? And there's that peer pressure of keeping up with the Joneses. And, and you're like, okay, I'm actually just supporting the next year's edition of that line of clothing or that line of accessories or that line of digital electronics, right? And in a digital world, you don't need very much, do you, Brian? It's, it's, uh, it is so hard. Uh, the only, but the only way to win the rat race is to opt out of it because yes. it never ends. You know, I, I know people that are way wealthier than me and, and they're pissed off because yeah, they got a, they got a yacht, but they don't, they can't, they can't do a super yacht. Um, and, and the guy, the guy with the super, you know, the guy with a billion dollars, he's like, yeah, I got a billion dollars super yacht, but I don't have a protein. And, uh, it, it literally never ends. And the only way to win it is just to, just to opt out of it. Um, 
Now I still struggle with this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I would say half of my, of, of my mission is, is financial. And the other half is why we do what we do. I think, I think half and half is a good balance for me because at the end of the day, there has to be an economic engine at whatever the hell it is you're doing for it to survive. And that's capitalism. And and so you, you do have to be motivated by both, but I think it evolves, you know, as, as in the early days, you can be all about getting this money and then you realize it's bigger than you. Yes. I, so I can relate to that as well because I, I've said to myself in this, in this desire, you know, to keep building this next venture of ours. I'm like, okay, so when it's successful, what am I going to do with all the money again? And then I'm like, well, no, I kind of goes against what I've been thinking about because minimalism is more appealing to me. Uh, so, but it's that if I can change people's lives in the process, if I can work with some great people in the process, and if I can make some pretty good money along the way, I'm okay with that because it's just, it's a different kind of perspective and maybe just my age in life as well, right? Where, um, I get a different point of view on the world as well, but, um, I, um, money's the motivator, but there's so much more going on to, to accelerate that. And I, I, I completely relate to that as well. You said being an introvert, I would, I would argue that a lot of entrepreneurs or people who think they're entrepreneurs are, are introverts and then don't know how to get past that wall of being an introvert. Um, many who don't know me would not recognize that I'm an introvert as well. I, I'm, I'm comfortable here behind the mic in front of the camera or in my own little lab. Uh, and I'm, I'm comfortable on stage talking to people. I'm comfortable leading teams. Um, but you know, do I want to go out and shake hands and, and go out and be extroverted the entire time? No, I would just kind of prefer to be quiet. I, I overcame it by recognizing that the only way I was going to move anything forward was by by going to talk to people. And uh, I, I always say that if you if you're if you're struggling with being introverted, just find a way to go talk to somebody, and then go talk to the next person and the next person, and and you you can build your business that way, one at a time. Back to your comments earlier in the show, we wanted to sell a hundred people, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be really tough if you're not willing to overcome that. And I've struggled with that. You know, one thing I love to do is watch conferences on YouTube and learn, but I hate going to a conference. So it's this weird thing. I hate them too. Uh, and, and, you know, you know my yeah. opinion is, I'll tell you, this, I'll, 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 I'll step in here. I think the only people benefiting from a conference is the conference organizers. That's it. Yeah. That's it. They're, they're, they're bringing us yeah. all together to make their money and we're all just kind of hanging out and we're spending the corporate dollars of the corporation we work for. We're shaking hands, then we're leaving and then we're forgetting all about it. I don't know. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, there's better ways money and time can be spent in my opinion. Well, the, the information often shared on stage at a fireside chat or a talk or, or some kind of presentation at a conference, like, uh, like search SEO is a big channel for us. And so I've had to over a decade, form our SEO strategy. And I've learned a lot by, 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 by attending uh, a dozen or so different conferences every year on YouTube, like literally like six months later, or a year later, they put the videos out and mm -hmm. I just watch them all. Yes. And, uh, I, and, and I do it for a fraction of the cost and a fraction of the time. Um, but, but I've tried to go to some of them and it just seems like, it just seems like one big circle jerk. And it just seems like it's, it's, it's not the highest and best use of my time to fly somewhere, attend it. And, and yeah, maybe there's some networking and stuff, but, but, but again, that can be done digitally. And, and I don't know for me, it's not my thing. Now, some people, they love it and, and they, they thrive on that and that's okay. I think it's important to, to play to your strengths, but on the other hand, 
is is to not not believe your own BS. So so a lot of times we assign ourselves labels and then we let that be a self fulfilling prophecy. So yeah. I'm not an I'm not an engineer, therefore I have to go like hire a coder. And so that was how I thought for the first two years of running Green Pal, and I would bang my head against the wall. And, and, and why is it I'm trying to get developers to build this platform with me and, and I can't make any progress? Well, it's because I, I didn't know the first thing on how any of this stuff works. So I had to become an engineer, a really terrible one, but enough to be dangerous to where I could build out a team around me. So that was, you know, I, I didn't want to believe my own BS, and I didn't, I didn't have to accept that label that I that labeled on myself. And so I think a lot of times if, if you can remind yourself that 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 this is a lot of times a self-imposed limiting belief. Oh, I'm in, I'm introverted, therefore I can't do these sales calls. It's just going to cause you to stay stuck. You have to overcome that. And 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 like we were talking about earlier, little small wins to point yourself in the right direction. Make it real small. Okay, I'm just going to do five sales calls today. Who can't do five calls? Yeah. You know, and then maybe, maybe I'm going to do five every day this week and then next week, seven. And and so just start small, let it build. And then before you know it, you know, like running for like running a marathon, five calls, ain't nothing. A mile isn't anything. And so, so it's a lot of times it's that momentum and stacking those little small wins. Have you not found yourself, Brian, as you've, uh, as you've gone on through your second business and, and, and growing your second business and aging through life, uh, reflecting upon your wisdom, as your value as well. I know that there's days when I wrestle with my own imposter syndrome or my own introvertedness or my own, oh, I don't really want to say anything. I'm like, wait a minute. No, I, I, I have permission to say something. I'm, I'm 51 years old. I've accomplished a couple of things in my life. Um, I have an opinion or I, or I have a, a point of view on something I, I've exp- or, or I've or I've experienced that. Maybe I failed or I've made that mistake. I'm going to share it with you. Uh, every single day goes by now for me, Brian, where I say to myself, well, why wouldn't I? Uh, and it's and it's this because uh, I don't want to say I don't care, but it's like I, I don't care because no, this this is who I am. This is my experiences, and I want to share them with you. And if I can help point you in the right direction, I'm going to do that. Do you, do you follow what I mean? Like age, age has been. I was scared of kind of getting back into business and and being you know kind of that okay. So how am I going to reconnect with the world again? You know you know being that old guy. And it's like no, wait a minute. Use that to your advantage, right? You know what I mean. Did you say you're 51? Yeah. 5-1? Yeah, a 5 and a 1. Drop a link to your skincare uh, line in the uh, <laughs> in the bio. <laughs> it's good lighting, man. It's good lighting. I appreciate that. That's very, it's Jeez, very kind man. Of awesome. Well done. I'll, well I'll done. tell you, I'll so tell, I'm, I'll I'm tell you what the hack is. I'll tell you what the hack is. I don't drink. I haven't had dropped alcohol in go. seven years. And I have no judgment on it, but I uh, I I... I do not drink any alcohol, and I think that has a lot to do with it, frankly. And that's just my that's life awesome. hack. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Very kind Thank of you. you. That's yeah. Very. That's that's great, man. Well done. Um, yeah, I'm 43, and so um, for me, it's like every year or two, if you're putting everything you've got into a business, you'll evolve into a whole new person. Yes. Every year or two, and so you'll like you'll look back two or three years. And, and you'll say, uh, you won't, you'll be unrecognizable to yourself. You won't like the same movies or books in a weird way. Or you'll watch a movie, like, this happened to me. I loved the show Entourage. And from, from like 2006 to 2011, I watched every episode of that show religiously. And then I started, I just picked it back up a year ago. And uh, 
and and I and I was like, I can't believe I used to like this show. It just seems so trivial and, and silly. And all of this stuff that they were worried about, none of that really even mattered. And so maybe it's just part of a decade of maturing, but I think a lot of it is is leading and growing a company causes you to read books, listen to podcasts, go to YouTube University, be exposed to higher higher ways of thinking that makes a lot of those trivial things not matter anymore and, and not be interesting anymore. So this is weird stuff I've experienced. And I think it's important in yourself and also people you're looking to hire. Do you have 10 years experience in this or have you repeated the same 10 years, 10 the same year, 10 times? So do you have 10 years of, of cumulative like compounding experience or did you just do the same year over and over again, 10 times in a row? I think in life it can be important important to remind ourselves of that, to, to not repeat the same year <laughs> 10 times, to get 10 years of experience. I, I don't know how we go any further than that last enlightening point you just made, because that's, that, that's brilliant. Uh, Brian, we're 56 minutes into our hour together. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Admittedly, we've had a few technical difficulties, but that's okay. We're recording. Um, so that's all going to be hammered out in the end. Roland was texting me along the way saying, but we're good. Um, what's most important is uh, that uh, we had a great chat today. Uh, any final words you want to wrap up the call with today? Yeah, and we lost Brian. All right, so we're going to wrap it up here. <laughs> um, we will see... We're going to, uh, Brian's out of the show at the moment. So no, we're going to keep it on here for a second. See if Brian joins us one more time. Uh, live in the lab. Uh, you're here with Keith Billis. Uh, Brian Clayton joined us today. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, we had some technical difficulties. I promise you we're still trying to work this out. Uh, the reality is um, we're going to keep trying and we're going to get it right. Uh, it's it seems to be a little more difficulty than, uh, than I originally uh, thought when we were going to do this live stream. We're going to chop the show up, put it out there on the on the LinkedIn's, on the X's, and back on YouTube in shorts so you all can enjoy it along the way. I'm Keith Billis. I'm live in the lab, live in the Business Athlete Performance Lab, and we'll see you all tomorrow.